Hello, I'm Friday Cordingly. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications. I'm really pleased to be talking to our Vice-Chancellor, Simone Boytendijk, today, who's recently written some inspirational and thought-provoking blogs. Today we are discussing conflict. We see it and experience it in all aspects of our lives. In her recent blog, Simone argued that conflict can force people into fixed positions, making it harder to achieve collaboration and mutual growth. But if we learn to deal with tensions and conflict, we will resolve problems in a more proactive, constructive and collaborative way and all benefit. In a moment, I'll be in conversation with Simone. But first, this is Simone reading her blog. Is it okay to disagree? Learning from the discomfort of conflict. Humans may think of themselves as rational creatures, but when we feel threatened, emotions often take over. How do we ensure that we don't become polarized and paralyzed as a community when tension and conflict arise? I do not love conflict, and my instinctive reaction to people angrily disagreeing with me is to back off. Unlike some colleagues and friends, my initial reflex is not to reciprocate with visible anger. I'm not exactly sure why that is. My past experiences of forcefully trying to win and not getting anywhere may have contributed. As my career progressed, I started to realize my attitude to conflict needed to change. Not by me becoming more aggressive, but rather by employing a different approach altogether. I believe it's only natural that as humans, we enjoy it when others agree with our point of view. What is not to like? But clearly, it's unrealistic to expect a life without disagreement or conflicting interests. And there's actually a lot of evidence that different viewpoints and a certain level of tension are needed for growth, stability, and sustainable innovation, both in the workplace and in personal relationships. The question then is, how do we deal with those tensions well? The problem lies with our natural tendency to either lash out or zone out when we feel threatened. What happens when we move between withdrawal and aggression is that we stop listening, connecting and learning. We are so busy protecting our own interests and defending our own position that we can no longer afford to see nuance and entertain the possibility that the other party may have a point. The path to further and further escalation and alienation, to hardening and more extreme points of view, is subsequently wide open. I don't think I need to illustrate the principle with real-life examples. You can find plenty in this morning's newspapers and even larger quantities among today's tweets. Unfortunately, as we're busy with intensely disliking the position of the other, we're wasting time and opportunity to resolve issues and build robust and sustainable solutions for all. If we want to deal more effectively with discomfort or conflict in our communities, we need to stop closing off to different opinions. We need to listen, dare to be vulnerable, and even be open to the possibility that at times we ourselves are playing wrong. That's really hard, much harder than instinctively going into fight or flight mode. However, if we don't try, we will miss valuable opportunities to gain insights, strengthen relationships, and sustainably resolve the knotty problems that make us all unhappy. 
Most people in leadership positions sooner or later have to deal with conflict and anger, especially in times of large-scale change or crisis. When that happens, we have a choice. Either we increase the distance between us and the colleagues that are angry, or we get closer by trying to connect. The latter starts by attempting to truly understand the cause of the anger. Too often, all we try to do is win the argument, while forgetting that without openness, honest communication, and an authentic human connection, we will not persuade the other side to soften their position. We all have a tendency to believe that if we clearly and rationally outline our own position, we will win because of the sheer beauty of our argument. What we forget is that if there's no connection and no trust, the other side will simply not be able to believe us because there's too much suspicion of our motives. The difficulty with the connecting approach, apart from the fact it can be quite scary in the beginning, is that it takes time, more time than declaring war and parking our tanks on the lawn or retreating into the trenches. But once conflict has fully escalated, it easily appears that we're too busy for careful communication and figuring out which human emotions and problems caused the issue to begin with. Also, in the middle of a heated situation, we often subconsciously or consciously choose to feed the simple dichotomy of right, us, and wrong, them, which further enables the high pace, restlessness, and intensity of full-blown conflict. We can break the dangerous cycle once we understand we cannot enjoy the primitive pleasures of always being right that our conflicts provide us with, while at the same time nurturing nuance, compassion and self-reflection. Those primitive pleasures are risky for our own happiness and that of others in our community, since if we want them to continue, we have to become ever more extreme in our positions. And while keeping the short-term conflict alive, we inevitably lose sight of the fact that with a different effort and with patience and careful practice, we will be more likely to reach a long-term situation of stability, collaboration and mutual growth. If we use conflicts not to harden our stance, but to deepen our understanding, to define common goals, to reach out and to nurture a sense of shared humanity, we will all gain. At the very least, we will not waste our valuable time on senseless feuds with other fragile humans just like us. I'm really interested to know why it was that you wanted to raise the issue of conflict. Yeah, um, thanks, Friday, for that question. Um, I think it's because conflict happens so often um, in our private lives, in our work lives. And I think if we don't um, shy away from it the way we now do and don't get into sort of automatic uh, fight or flight mode, uh, we will actually be able to use it much more constructively. And that's not easy to do. And it's certainly taken me time to figure that out. And I'm sure I still don't always get it right. But it's it's a very worthwhile um, activity to try and use conflict more constructively. So. I thought to blog about it and start the conversation. One of the things I've I've been thinking about ever ever since I read your blog and I've been thinking about this is is what do we mean by conflict and what do you mean by conflict? Because I I suspect it's something that means different things to different people. Yeah, that's a really excellent question. I think too often we think of conflict as something that's 
scary, that's threatening to our positions, that's, that needs to be avoided. And I think if we see conflict as different opinions, um, different suggestions for how to solve particular issues, um, yeah, just, just basically people coming at particular issues from different perspectives instead of labeling it as bad, then I think we can probably take a lot of the toxicity out of especially the initial phases of conflict. Because if we if we get into that fight or flight mode that we often get into when we see conflict arising because we feel threatened by it at a personal level, then I think we lose opportunities to to learn and to especially come together and find common solutions. So maybe there's even something in 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 how we define conflict and i think if we could see it as something that's that will happen inevitably in any kind of relationship um, whether it's you now between two people or more people and it's just a matter of not being so scared of it we would already be in a much better place because i think there is a difference between conflict and sort of being very very much on completely different ends of a spectrum and feeling very adversarial. And that's something that I think we should avoid. Yes, because I, I, again, I, one of the things I was thinking about in my own life is where where might a, a disagreement become com, a com, conflicting or a conflict situation? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think, you know, many, many people listening to this will think, well, we're in, a, in an environment where lots and lots of different people come together um there are lots of rightly differences of, of opinion debates very important particularly in in, in a university environment um it, 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 do you think conflict is a particular issue at the university oh absolutely uh, i think it and, and it, it can be healthy and it can be very unhealthy i think especially in academic lives where we're so aware that often things aren't black and white there aren't easy solutions there there are lots of different ways of coming at particular knotty problems. Um, I, I think we, we, we should be able to, to embrace conflict as a positive thing and we should be able to be aware that it sometimes could even be necessary to innovate and get to the next stage of development. So yeah, absolutely. I think conflict in, in higher education in universities is something that, that happens that should happen um, and that we need to be not so afraid of as we sometimes appear to be. Okay, thank you. And and what what impact do you think conflict can have for the 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 well-being of teams? Well, I think if it spins out of control and if conflict happens in situations where there's little trust, there's not a lot of transparency, um, uh, people easily feel threatened because they're not quite sure of the cohesion of a group and they don't feel safe, then I think conflict can be incredibly disruptive, can actually put groups or entire institutions back, that can stifle innovation and progress. So that that's basically the point of my blog. I think we need to put conflict in, in a different kind of environment to use it positively. So if we work on a, on a university environment, um, institution-wide, but of course also in people's smaller groups where they work, 
where there is that trust in each other and also trust in each other's good intentions, where there is transparency, where there is a potential to make mistakes as we're trying new things and uh, without that immediately being viewed as, as wrong and people feeling threatened in their positions. If in those kinds of situations of high trust and um, conflict arises, I think we, we can use it constructively. We can open our minds to the conflicting opinion. Uh, we can try to be introspective and wonder whether this other person or other group actually may have a point that we just haven't seen before. And then I think we can use conflict in, in really creative, positive ways. So I think it, it's, it should be part of, of a university culture, of a culture within groups. And we should see it as part of the kind of values that we, we want to embrace that you and I spoke about in a, in a previous podcast mm. Friday. So, so I think how we deal with conflict and what happens when it arises is very much dependent on the kind of community um, that we are. Yeah. I'm 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 really interested as well in um, in some of your personal experiences about conflict, which which you talk about a little bit in your blog. Um, you say you say your response to conflict has has changed over time from responding angrily, and you you also reference responding by retreating um, as well to adopting a, a calmer approach. Can you tell me a bit more about those experiences and 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 how that's affected your approach and how you feel about things yeah thank you for asking that um actually i, I still remember a, a large-scale meeting early on in my research career where i was sitting around the table uh, around a big project i was leading uh, with a whole bunch of clinicians and um, i thought that some of the pushback that they were giving me as a relatively junior researcher uh, was really not fair they were clearly wrong and I felt irritated and I showed it. And then one of the leads of that group, an older professor of obstetrics and gynecology, uh, later said to me, uh, Simone, you have to be aware that every time you show anger, you're actually losing something. And it's best to just not show anger, even if you feel you're right. Because when you're angry, you also lose control of the situation. And that for me was complete light bulb moment because I felt so self-righteous and I, I, it's possible, I don't remember the exact topic we discussed, that mm -hmm. I was absolutely right and they were absolutely wrong. But what he, what he was pointing out, this older professor, was that me showing my anger just was not a good idea and didn't help uh, bringing parties together. So I really, really used his, his admonition and tried not to do that. But then I noticed, probably in hindsight, years and years later, that going to the other extreme and not showing anything and just going into yeah, more like, like flight mode almost mm. and not speaking up when people were angry with me and there was conflict budding, that that wasn't helping either. Because I think if you're either angry or you think, oh, I'm just going to get out of this situation because it feels too scary. You're unable to listen at that point. You're losing control of the situation. You're unable to be introspective um, and you lose lots of opportunities that that conflict actually give you. But it took me a long while. And I think the reason it took me a while is that I first needed to be more secure in my job and in my career 
to be able to open up to angry voices or people just disagreeing with me in ways that I found threatening. And if you don't immediately go into that flight or fight mode, um, conflict and disagreements become a lot less scary. So it's like, it's really like a vicious cycle. The more scary we find them, the more likely we are to either aggressively retaliate or completely um, opt out. And then you're left with nothing. You really can't get together. And especially for long-term relationships, that can be really detrimental when it's a short-term thing, when you're just never having to see each other again. Um, It's not so bad, but most of the relationships we have with each other in academia, with external partners, um, we hope that they will last. So finding a way to deal with, with what appears to be conflict I think is actually a crucial skill when when you're part of a group and especially as you're growing as a leader. I think that's really interesting, Simone, and I'm I'm reminded of our um, the conversation we had about about listening as well, because I think some of the some of the things we talked about there really, really resonate in how in how we might respond to conflict. Um, So thank you. And I think. You also talk a bit in your blog about about winning arguments or, or winning discussions or conflict situations. And I think that's really interesting because because if there is possibly a view that if you don't, you know, you, you go into a meeting, there's a conflict situation, your position is I want to win in inverted commas this argument, if that if that if that doesn't happen, then there's a sense of failure there how do you um how do you deal with that and how do we overcome that yeah i think what's really important that we realize that maybe winning an argument shouldn't be our ultimate goal and i think it's that same uh, sense of short-term versus long-term perspective Um, because i think winning an argument is only good if you have a very short-term perspective if it's just about the here and now You want to come out victorious because there's some kind of thing that you're going to gain from doing that. But you don't really care that you're jeopardizing the long-term relationship. So if you don't care about long-term, I think trying to win is not so bad. Um, I'm not sure why why you should, but I think that the the fallout is not so so Mm -hmm. dramatic. Um, If the relationship needs to continue... Winning may feel good uh, at that time being, at that time and at the moment, but may actually not be so great going forward. So the, the short term may lose the, win the short term battle, but you're not going to lose the war. And you're certainly not going to build a relationship that will last um, as, as like a peaceful, collaborative way of working. Because people who lose they will trust you less the next time you get into a conflict situation and and chances that things will erupt even quicker of course will will get higher plus they may come in more prepared next time so you may not be able to win as easily so you can just see the the escalation sort of being built in so i think we should all move away from wanting to win And that, of course, also has to do with the ability to actually look at your own position differently and not think so much in black and white. Because if you're absolutely right and the other person's absolutely wrong, 
then of course you want to win because you don't want to acknowledge that you may not be absolutely right. But I think the question is really, what do you want to achieve in the long run? And you want to collaborate, you want to work together on higher goals, or are you just enjoying the, the conflict and, and what it gives you as a person? And I think the more um, insecure people are, the more they need that sense that they're right and the other's wrong. But I just don't think that for a group, for an institution, for external goals that are more worthy than, than just trying to yeah, get some, um, some satisfaction out of a short-lived conflict, for the longer-term goals, we, we shouldn't think about winning and losing. I think mm -hmm. that whole concept um, puts us in a, in a wrong frame of mind when we're looking at differences of opinion. Yeah. And, and do you think it's possible to, to ever remove conflict from, from the workplace? Um, no, and I don't think we should. And if we uh, treat conflict with less um, suspicion and if we don't see it as a bad thing and if we don't want to always win, I think conflict can actually be rather a good thing. And we could even invite um, conflicting opinions and, and conflict into our everyday lives. But if conflict, if we equate it to all-out war, and if we make it something dangerous to ourselves, then, of course, um, we should avoid it at all costs. And then maybe we should try to get a workplace without conflict. So maybe it's even the, the definition of conflict that we need to think about. Yeah, it's, it's quite an emotive word, isn't it, conflict? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and I think quite a personal thing as well, because what's acceptable for 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 me, maybe threatening to, to somebody else, um, and I'm, I'm I'm just I'm thinking, you know, how how do we how do managers deal with that? How do we how do we manage that difference of view in the workplace about what 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 we'll tolerate? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question, and it's also, of course, a cultural element there. Uh, what what can be completely acceptable? in Dutch culture, <laughs> where we're quite sort of open with each other when we're not agreeing, um, could be seen as incredibly threatening behavior for um, Japanese or Chinese or um, UK colleagues, uh, because people would see it as, as more insulting. And in the Netherlands, it's totally okay to say, I don't agree with you. Mm. So I think we need to be extremely aware of how we choose our words and and um, of how to make sure that that the people that we're talking to don't feel threatened and that they don't feel that we're violating their dignity. Um, so I think that's that's really important. And another element I think is the power imbalance. I think people in a more powerful position need to be much more careful with how they phrase their differences of opinion and how they invite um, people in a less powerful position to express themselves, mm. because when you're in a position of power, um, you come across as much more threatening if you say exactly the same things that you're saying when you're when you're in an inferior position in terms of the power balance. So I feel that as as a leader, as you grow in an organization and you become more influential, you need to become more and more careful of how you deal with your own opinions and how you. Yeah, and, and your awareness of how you may come across um, to others. So 
yeah, maybe thinking of conflict as something that we should only allow in in very in a very carefully constructed way, and maybe avoiding conflict. So I'll come back to what I said earlier, um, and and think about more like differences of opinion would be the way to go. Mm. And I think if the leader starts feeling threatened, that really is a recipe for disaster because then either they're not listening anymore when they should be, or they they easily become um, at least appear aggressive. And that then also erodes the trust and erodes the relationship. Mm, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, I've, I've heard talk as well of, of, of productive tension. What what that mean to you? Yeah, I think productive tension is actually a great way of looking at it. Um, what I've learned over the years in a position of leadership is that I actually need to invite people to challenge me because it is scary to say, no, I don't agree with you when you're saying that to a person who holds a lot of power. Um, and what happens if you don't invite people to challenge and to tell you, oh, maybe you should look out here, this may not be the right way, is that it's very comfortable for a while because it seems like you're doing everything right and people are all happy. But of course, at some point, it can come back to, to haunt you because it turns out that people weren't as happy and they weren't as comfortable and they were critical of your leadership, but no one actually dared to tell you. So I think I think constructive dialogue, constructive criticism, constructive tension needs to be encouraged and invited. I think it's also a really good way of role modeling to enable people to actually voice their um, their opinions. And, and even if you don't agree with what they're proposing, and even if what they tell you they don't like about you is not going to change the way you work, it's very important to know where people aren't in agreement with what you want to achieve or aren't happy with the way you're going about it. Because if you don't know it, um, you easily will make mistakes at some point. So that's something I had to learn to to feel more comfortable with actively asking for feedback. Mm. And I think it's also a great way to to avoid um, really, really large scale conflict <laughs> if we use it in a negative way. Um, because if you ask for feedback early, you'll get much more nuanced and rich um, discussions and and people won't feel so adversarial towards you as they may feel if they are disgruntled for a long, long time and you don't seem to be listening. Yeah, that's um that that that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's there's also learning to 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 give that feedback when when requested uh, and yeah. invited to do so as well. Yeah. Um, I I think one of the things that are kind of as as we draw to a close, um I'm I'm really interested to get a, a little bit of an insight into into the vice chancellor's world, um, and I think one of the one of the questions I'm keen to ask is how do you how do you prepare for meetings or situations where you know there's likely to be uh, certainly disagreement that may may move to conflict? Oh, it's a brilliant question, Friday. Um, yeah, what I'm trying to do is feel really open minded. Um, realize that I don't want to start feeling threatened. Um, I don't want to get into that primitive sort of hot emotional um, response, um, counter 10, 
uh, take deep breaths, just absorb the anger and the, the disagreement before responding and just really think about it as a brilliant opportunity to learn and and to become aware of what's happening. And another thing I always try to do is, is suppress my own um, inclinations and want to fix things immediately, to want to get mm-hmm. out of the situation with clear solutions. Because sometimes the disagreement, the conflict, the tension can't be solved, uh, maybe not ever, but but oftentimes not in that situation. To see it more like a data gathering exercise than that I'm on a mission to fix and and make sure that everybody leaves the room and feeling that there's no longer an issue. Because most of the issues are so complicated <laughs> that we need multiple meetings, we need to have multiple approaches. And so to to get out of the short term um, reflexes, because I have have those, of course, also. I want to make people happy. I want to say, yes, of course, you're right, and I'll do this, and then we're, I'll wave, wave my magic wand, and we're all wave my magic wand, and we're all going to be happy. So to suppress the need to 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 fix things on the spot, to basically just take my time, and to to especially not feel threatened at a personal level, and realize. That, that, yeah, this probably has nothing to do with me as a person. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, um, I think there's a lot of good advice for us all in there. Thank you. <laughs> but it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. And I don't always get it right. Of course not. No. And, and I think some of that, it, it, is, is that kind of, um, a bit of that sort of self talk that needs to happen as, as, as you're preparing and as you're in the meeting, I guess, as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one other thing, maybe if I can add, that I'm always asking myself when people are really angry, is um, what what are you afraid of? I'm sort of asking myself what the person who's angry is afraid of, because most anger stems from fear of something, and that really helps me become more empathic and more calm and and not feel so threatened at a personal level. That's a that's a really great tip and a really good question. Thank you. Um, I think that's about all we have time for today. Um, unless there's anything else you, you, you want to share with us, Simone? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground, Friday. And um, yeah, it's an evolution and it's difficult. And we all struggle with how, we're, how we can deal with conflict best. And I think it's a, it should be a group effort. So if this blog makes people think and if, 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 if listeners have suggestions for me, I'm really happy to hear them because it's, it, this is not just one person, one person thing. It really needs, it can also change how a whole organization deals with each other and grows and learns together. Great. Thank you. It's as ever, um, Simone, it's been, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you ever so much for your time. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thanks, Friday, for asking all those great questions. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you for listening. Please look out for further podcasts on Spotify and other platforms. Please follow Simone on Twitter at S.E. Oitendijk to find her latest blog. You can also follow the University of Leeds on Twitter at University Leeds.